Hey, time for you to reach your full potential. Getting into health and fitness, this is what you're missing. Going hard, I push you to the limit. Go on a journey with genetics coach Laura Phillips. Yeah, yeah, here to take you to the next level. Been in the health and fitness industry since 07. Working with so many athletes. Push it to the limit with world champions, yeah, and some Paralympians. Hey, working from Brisbane to Singapore. We train, we going hard. All out, we keep it raw. Laura Phillips, let's go. In this week's episode of Real Talk, I speak with emotional health expert, Beata Jastowiak. She is the first in Singapore to have created a highly sensitive person's emotional support group and is soon launching Emotions Academy. So please be sure to connect with her links to find out more about those programs. I got thinking about the subject of overwhelm some time ago, and I think I was even inspired by an Instagram story she had posted it got me thinking that overwhelm is such a common emotion we have on such a regular basis that it's really worth dedicating an episode to. You know, I'm all about fitness, nutrition, and mental health because let's face it, the brain and the mind is the engine behind everything else. And if we are not optimizing our thoughts, then we are not going to be able to perform our best. And I'm all about optimal performance. So I wanted to have a conversation about overwhelm. What contributes to overwhelm? How do we recognize overwhelm? What can we do to overcome it? And how can we rephrase and reshape the relationship we have with such emotions and maybe even use them to our advantage? I'm a big believer that the way that you perceive an experience seriously changes the outcome and the relationship that you have with it. So we had an amazing conversation surrounding really simple tips and tricks you can do to work through, reshape, reframe, uh, and reposition your experiences with overwhelm. I really want you to take a moment to look at the workshops that she has provided in the show notes below because a big component to getting better at this is to do the work. and. Just listening and leaving is, is it. That's, that's really one step. But to take it a step further and to make the most of that, you really need to look a little deeper and connect with your thoughts and feelings on that greater level. So the workshops included in the show notes are going to be critical in ensuring that you really get the most out of this conversation and that you're able to implement these skills into your day-to-day life moving forwards. So thank you for those worksheets, um, Beta, and please let us know what your main takeaways are. You know, I want to have conversations that connect and resonate with you, that you find to be powerful and of value. I look forward to receiving those insights. Hello. 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 We finally get to record together. Yes. (laughs) How are you moving, weren't you? Yeah, it's like life was really busy oh. and overwhelming. It's like a lot of things have been happening. Mm-hmm. We finally moved into the new house. It only took us three months. Um, and now it's like I'm going for unpacking 40 boxes. Oh. Wow. So all good and cool. Um, my son just got a fever last night. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, just managing, regulating everything, kind of like a, going with the 
structure of a mm-hmm. workflow and then mm-hmm. something kind of like happens and now we need to adjust readjust everything but all good normal life i guess i, I like your use of the word regulating because i think that's really key when it comes to overwhelm which is you know a huge theme of this episode and this recording is how we can deal with overwhelm because mm-hmm. it's such a fast paced world and I feel Singapore especially is just so go 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 having come from Australia where at nighttime if you heard a car drive down the street you were like what's happening what's happening right why like who's driving at this hour where are you going at this hour at Mm -hmm. eight o'clock at night what is happening like go to bed so how how are you managing overwhelm how do you suggest we manage overwhelm when is overwhelm like so overwhelming that we need a more serious intervention? I would love mm-hmm. to take on all of that and so much. Mm-hmm. I think seriously, I see that most of my clients are going through the different phases of being overwhelmed. Hmm. And what's very essential for me to kind of like a point out from the very beginning is to see that kind of like a rated on a scale from one to 10. So it's not like there is a sense of overwhelm and then there is no, like mm. we usually have that sense of overwhelm continuing to kind of like a, accompany us in life, but sometimes mm. it's just like too much mm. and we're on edge and we feel too snappy, easily triggered. Um, and sometimes it's kind of like a tolerable level. So I think for me, it's really important to help people see that, it, it can be on a different different number on a scale. And then once we assign a number, it's easier to select more effective strategy. Because if we keep shooting the overwhelm with one, the same breathing technique, it won't work because one technique will work for easy overwhelm, kind of like a, you know, between three and four on scale to 10. Uh, where I'm just overwhelmed with the task that I have to go through today and I don't know how I'm going to fit it into my day. But another, um, the same kind of like a breathing technique will not work on another overwhelm that would be, I know, eight and nine that I didn't sleep well at night. My son is tired and sick. He's supposed to be at school and I'm supposed to work. I have few really important things that I can't postpone and I need to record things, right? So it's like kind of like a, it puts me in a more stressful, full of pressure situation. And small things may escalate and may trigger a big blowout, right? So then the same technique will not work. So we need to first identify, allow ourselves to feel what we feel because we can't regulate a feeling that we don't allow ourselves to feel. Hmm. Then we need to give it a number on a scale from one to 10 and then choose a different coping strategy. So usually for those easy kind of like overwhelm that you can feel that it's coming up a little bit, but you still kind of like a go with that for the day, I would suggest something more like a, a breathing technique or a walk or talk with a friend to share a little bit, to have a social engagement, to let that out kind of like a cognitively out of the system, uh, engage slow body movement. Uh, it can be mindfulness. It can be stretching. It can be even like a, 
engaging in the more of a self-care activity. Like I'm going to stretch and I'm going to go for a yoga or I'm going to go and do something for myself over the lunch break, right? But for something more intense, we need to engage the body. We need to start with the regulating nervous system first to create that safety that, hey, I've got it. I know what it is. Don't, don't kind of like a panic. There's no need to panic and overestimate this whole situation and create bigger responses than it's really needed. So we need to regulate the nervous system and only then we can apply all these beautiful strategies that we get from self-help books or coaches or psychologists or counselors, right? So first body and then the cognitive strategies. Hmm. And and most of most of us forget about that um, that body aspect that we think that oh if I go and exercise three times a week it will be enough but in that moment when you feel something that it's too much you need to take care of your body and like kind of like let that out of your body in that moment on that day right so it's not you can't just hold it and postpone it to kind of like a freeze it until next Thursday that you have your workout. Mm-hmm. That right. is a great point that you make. I guess what I, I see there are kind of two elements. There's the kind of day-to-day regulation and trying to find that happy place where we feel engaged with what we're doing and we feel cognitively uh, excited as though we're able to participate in our work, able to engage with those around us. But then, of course, it's not so um, lacking of stimulation that we're inclined to fall asleep or just switch off. So there has to be some sort of equilibrium which feels good for us and some people have a natural uh, higher frequency shall we say mm-hmm. some people are just calibrated a little bit more intensely than others but we need to understand I think what feels like a good amount of stress for us and I, I think some people naturally do well when there's a little bit more chaos and there's a little bit more happening and some people mm-hmm. when there's a little bit less happening and there's more uh, scheduled time for relaxation and mentally decompressing. Um, But equally, being able to navigate those higher stress points during the day or during the week. So first of all, kind of mapping out what feels like a good rhythm for us in terms of Mm -hmm. stress and in terms of you know overwhelm. And, And then how do we manage to bring ourselves back down to that when we know there's going to be a stressful situation ahead. Maybe it's a high-pressure meeting. Maybe it's, um, for some people, it could be exercise. Walking into a gym can be stressful. I know that for sure. Um, For some people, it could be, uh, you know, having a a conversation with their boss with regards to a promotion or change in job description or even moving. Um, Mm -hmm. But then sometimes things happen unexpectedly too. And so I guess what I'm getting at is, the better we're able to, as you said earlier, regulate our our day-to-day uh, circumstances and lifestyle, the less stressful these higher stress situations and the less overwhelming these really overwhelming situations tend to be. Mm. Yes, because I, I think that it's it's building up our emotional agility, that mm. it's that we start to notice that stress is not bad for us. Stress is actually good for us. That we, mm. that's why we often procrastinate. We mm. postpone things, right? Because we 
got trained probably during the childhood that it, it is okay to just delay everything, have fun first, and then last minute just study and you're going to get, get the good grades, good results done, mm-hmm. right? So we tend to work with kind of, kind of like we train our mind to work under lots of pressure so we can survive that. So it's not that threatening, but a chronic stress uh, would be bad for us. And this is usually when we feel stuck. Mm-hmm. So I often tell that, um my kind that stress is good for you um stress is not bad what is bad is being stuck so with being stuck on the same cycle the same pattern and thinking that you're doing different things and maybe you are doing different things but these are the same still the same repeated things in the within the cycle right so i feel that being stuck is is bad but at the same time as you said before once we identify what are the stressors, what are our typical responses and how we can regulate in which situation what helps us and what doesn't help because it's not only of kind of there's no point of noting down only what works because some of the things that work now, it will stop working in six months. So we need to keep upgrading our coping skills. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to keep ad- adjusting it a little bit, make, mixing it to make it more kind of like interesting so we are still curious because if not the brain will be like oh yeah (laughs) same old technique i'm not interested in trying that right Mm -hmm. so and then once we map it out and we are aware the big stressor will not affect us that much so the big stressor will not bring the same big reaction but because we are aware of our regulation we know that that's okay I'm not going to die now. This is not that life-threatening as my brain thinks and perceives this. I can handle that. It will, our response will decrease, which means that we are building up and reinforcing our internal ability to cope. And this, this in the long term will decrease our anxiety because the anxiety is spiking up when there is the overestimation of a danger and there is the underestimation of coping skills. So even like in those small stressful moments, we have a chance to actually build up our window of tolerance and repertoire of coping skills. And we build up our confidence that actually I can handle, I'm quite good at that. Mm-hmm. Yes, it still hurts. Yes, it still is stressful. Yes, my whole body is going for the different sensations, but I'm okay. I'm aware of that. I can handle this. And I know that in the evening, I will be completely fine. Mm. Right. So I think that's why it's important to, instead of kind of calling it management, it's more of regulation because emotions are the energy in the body. So they flow, right? So we need to learn how to serve the wave of different emotions. So it's all about getting yourself a surfing board and knowing how you actually need to stand up, sometimes paddle, or sometimes you have to get really tired and you need to keep readjusting. Sometimes you're just going to stand on, you know, on your, on your knees and sometimes you will brave up and stand straight and try to surf that wave and you will crash a million times, but you will still have your surfing board and you will still know that the next wave will be coming. It's such a great analogy. And what I feel I see a lot in the the women I train is if we think about the surfboard that you just mentioned it would seem as though 
a lot of them when I first start working with them are on their surfboard thinking that there's a shark really close by all the time. And what I love about uh, training women as just part one dimension of what I do is that when you learn how to lift weights and connect your mind with your body at the same time and you really tangibly see the increase in the weights and the improvements in your technique and the increase in repetitions you can do at the same weight, the sharks start to kind of swim off into the distance because as you mentioned earlier, we can often overhype stress and overwhelm as being life-threatening. And oftentimes that's what happens when we step into the gym. We think, oh my God, mm-hmm. everything is scary. I don't know how to do anything. I don't belong here. I don't look like those fit people on gym floor. Who am I to think that I can be here in the first place? And that in addition to the stress that comes with work and the stress that comes with home life and the stress that comes with you know, living in a different country to all your family and friends that you grew up with. And it's it's just so nice to see that evolution in people and to see that change and to see that actually when you apply yourself at something and when you endure that stress in a safe way, you know, when someone is giving you instruction, when you're in a safe environment and you persevere and you overcome it, you you gain the benefit of having lifted that weight, but you also gain the mental benefit of understanding if you put yourself through something, you start to see how capable you are of doing something. And that's just 1% of 1% of 1% of 1% of what people are capable of, because truly we don't even touch on 1% in day-to-day life. I feel people have no, 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 no clue what they're capable of doing. So it's so refreshing to see that sharks start to swim off into the distance and people start to feel more at home in this space and they start to look at weights and think, oh, maybe I could do that. And they look at machines that once scared them and almost have a sense of excitement of wanting to try it. Um, What are your thoughts on stress and how we can find what feels like a comfortable amount? Because as you said, it can be really positive for us. I mean, if mm-hmm. we see that a truck is coming towards us and we're crossing a road and we feel inclined to run. That, that's really good stress because otherwise mm-hmm. we would just get run over. But equally, we don't want to feel that we're always being chased by a shark when we're standing on the surfboard. So when when is it a good time to be stressed? When do we need to start looking at those coping skills for a seven and an eight out of nine out of 10, as you said, what does that start to present itself as? When do we know that we're stuck? Mm. I think for the, mm, for the stress, we usually try to control the amount of stress, right? Because we don't want to get into um, too high stress or to kind of like get into the chronic stress. But then um, rarely we have a control over the external stress or external stressors. So whatever happens at work, whatever is being, you know, thrown at us, whatever we just suddenly see, we can't control much of this. What we can control is how much it affects us. And the, the, the most effective and essential way how we can make it affect us less would be to change how we perceive that. So our perspective. Right. So if you start to notice that, okay, I'm, I'm at work, I'm already starting to be like a little bit on edge and 
checking in you know all the emails and checking in with other people what's what's happening because i feel i have this underlying feeling that something is going to happen today and something will surprise me then what we can do is start to read and be really tuned into our body and read the signals what are those physical sensations because every emotion comes with physical representation mm. and if we get too much into creating a story or narrative of what's happening, why it's happening, we get stuck and caught up in that. So in psychology, we say that we get hooked by all these narratives, right? So the best way to change the perspective on a very kind of like a basic level, level one would be to be aware of your body response. So uh, let's say I get a, my heart rate increased, right? I get a little bit sweaty hands. Mm-hmm. I feel hot and cold. I can feel that I'm blushing a little bit. So these are all the responses that my nervous system tells me, like, hey, hey, something's happening, something's happening. And I don't have to know exactly why it's happening. I don't have to know what it's happening, but I can read and put the interpretation of my system that, okay, I'm ready, whatever that is. It's like I'm awakened. It means that, okay, I'm on. Come on, try me. Throw that at me. I'm ready. I'm focused. I notice what's happening. So I'm ready. So read the signals from your body, the physical sensations, as your body getting ready and preparing for that. And then trust that you will judge whether it's worth to fight with that stressor or to fight and just run away from that. Right. But either way, your body is ready to to see it, to make a decision. So that's about the external stressors, right? If we have, if we want to decrease the amount of external stressors. So this is what we can do to first look into, into our body and change the perspective and see that we are getting ready, that we are going to handle whatever is going to happen. But we need to also remember that a lot of stress, and it's like nearly 60% of stress, is self-induced so it comes from us so we are in the habit of checking our phone just quickly messaging someone and then we don't get instant reply and we may feel rejected right Mm. or we are going quickly on instagram and just seeing 15 posts which means that we're bombarding our mind with new information and it's all about inspirations of what we want to eat. This this looks nice. This looks healthy. This is how we want to look. This is where we would like to go for during the weekend. This is what we want to do. And then suddenly we finish and we're stuck at the desk and we're at work. Wow. So of course, we're not going to feel happy. We're not going to feel inspired to take action and plan the weekend and feel great and happy and positive because we are taking the right steps to get there as well. We will feel terrible right so we are inducing this stress and these emotions that will lead up later to the sense of overwhelm so looking at our patterns and habits would be important as well mm. is the stress you just mentioned and such a great example in looking through social media scrolling messaging whether that's you know, text messaging on the phone, whether it's by email, whether it's on a separate platform such as Slack or Teams. Mm-hmm. Is, is that, in a sense, is that stress the essence of that a disconnection from ourselves? Is that what creates that stress? Is that we have kind of planted ourselves into some fictitious 
vacation. Maybe we're seeing, uh, you know, photos on social media from Europe and we've planted ourselves there, but we're not actually there. Is part mm-hmm. of that just not being present within our own selves? Is that an element mm-hmm. that's an overwhelm? It could be because it all starts with the intention of why we reach out for that platform. So we take phone or we open up a laptop and we open up that certain platform and why we're opening up. Because if we, if I'm opening up my emails to check whether I got the response from, I don't know, Martha about something, then that's okay. But if I'm opening my Instagram just automatically without an intention, so it's not like, okay, I've got uh, 10 minutes in between meetings. I will just, I want to have a mind break. I just want to scroll, but just bombard my mind with something extra colorful, cool, and just do it fine but if i do it automatically and most of the time we do it automatically without a reason without even awareness that we reach for that and we already are in the middle we're already hooked in the application and only then we're realizing oh okay we we are here and then we spend way more time than we would love to right Mm -hmm. so i think the intention would be first Mm -hmm. but then at the same time it's you can do the experiment of um, for example, check whether if you turn on a grayscale mode on your phone, will you reach for your phone less or not, right? Because there is there is a study that as soon as we unlock our phone and we see all the colorful icons and we see notifications, and there is a reason why all the notifications are red, right? So it's like, oh, alert, alert. So it's instantly is activating the nervous system as a danger, right? It's not nice and green and blue, like, oh, that's okay. You have a nice notification coming your way, right? It's like, no, check it, check that now, right? Mm-hmm. So there is this urgency. Um, so if you, if when you unlock phone and we see all those colorful icons, we activate the reward system in our brain. So it's like walking to the kindergarten with two bags of candies behind you and the, all these kids are saying, hi, good morning, Miss Beata. Mm-hmm. It's like, good morning, kids. Guess what I have for you? And they are waiting. And like, they have no idea. And they, if you would put out something, I know, colorful pen and paper, great. That would be great. But if you put out the candies, they all are going in the shop. It's like, whoa, amazing. I want one. Right? Mm-hmm. And everyone gets so activated. And exactly the same thing happens to our brain. And as soon as we activate the reward system, we want to reach for that source of uh, reward more often, even though we don't get exact value that we would like to do or get or what we or we're not doing exactly what we want to do. Right? Mm. So we so I, I feel and I can see that in most of my clients that I work with. They, how we use technology became one of the most self-sabotaging element during our day-to-day functioning, that it became so automatic and so quick that it stops, it's, it stops serving the, the purpose of inspiration. It's more of a distraction, numbing, and it is, yes, some kind of like a coping strategy, but life, it's not about, about coping all the time. It would be really boring if we only cope with life. Mm-hmm. Right? We cope with challenges and overwhelm and stress and anxiety. Life is about being alive and thriving. So we need to also see that there, it is kind of like the scale one to 10. 
it applies to kind of like a surviving at the beginning, then coping, and then kind of like a regulating it all, and then thriving to really feel that I've got this. Yes, life will still surprise me, but I know how to go through all ups and downs. So it's not like I've got it under control. I'm control freak, everything will go well because and then I want to manage everything. It won't happen. Um, but it's it's about, I don't know, being that, activating the psychological flexibility and knowing that there's more for you to feel. And as soon as you know that it's not scary to feel your feelings, it makes sense. Mm. So I'm really curious to know, what is it that's missing? What is this? What is the emotional deficiency there if we are so quick to turn to social media to get that hit of dopamine, to get that source of interaction or, you know, for lack of a better word, connection? Mm-hmm. What is it that's missing in um, day-to-day life that is preventing us from thriving? Because when we're thriving, we don't need to survive and cope all the time so there's less of a need to regulate but how many people out there are thriving I would say the minority mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. curious to hear your take on um, what is the I talk about emotional satiety a lot because we can get satiety from food um, and of course what is conducive to you know feeling full is is water for those people listening they're like yes I don't want to feel hungry all the time it's protein it's water it's fiber those three things are your go-tos but I talk about emotional satiety too what can create that sense of emotional satiety what can you know fill up our emotional cup so that we're less inclined to be you know distracting ourselves or seeking that external validation variety Oh, is the spice of life, as they say. <laughs> I like that. Um, I would say variety because huh. if you, if you scan your um your week, right, what you're doing and how you structured your week, it would be very similar to last week, right? Mm. There is the same structure. Maybe there would be occasionally some I don't know, catching up with a friend or doing something in the evening, but we rarely add some kind of like a small surprises or variety during the work. Mm. It's very boring, predictable. Yes, and gives us safety Mm. and structure, which creates a little bit of kind of like a rhythm that we can go into, into that on our autopilot. We don't have to keep reassessing what's happening. Um, but we are killing our curiosity. There is no no space and time to be curious because we already know what's going to be happening, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the variety of different tasks, different things, um, giving yourself the option. So adding a little bit of variety and flexibility, like having a flex- flexible routine. I usually have flexible routine at least for two days a week. So it's like usually Friday and and Monday would be my flexible kind of like afternoons. And I check in with myself, what do I need? So I know that I have one and a half hour for myself and that would be either to go and do my workout on top of everything else that I planned or it will be going out for a walk or it will be catching up with a friend because I need to kind of like recharge that social interaction. 
Mm-hmm. Or maybe that would be just sleeping because I'm so freaking tired. Mm-hmm. Right? Or maybe just like laying down on the floor with legs up on the wall and saying, oh, that's a new position. It's uncomfortable. Let's be here and that and just listen to a podcast. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but giving myself these, uh, this kind of like a small chances, small windows of me making a decision, what do I need right now, instead of scheduling everything and making very rigid, structured routine of what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be one, the variety um, and staying curious. So instead of uh, changing your self-talk from I have to, I should, I must, to I wonder. So instead of like, I still have to um, finish the emails and I have to finish the presentation. Like, I wonder how quickly will I be able to finish that presentation? I wonder if I mm, give myself a deadline. Let's say I set up a timer for 22 minutes. Would I finish? Would I? Or maybe I'll be just halfway through, right? And that's like a question. So it's not a, a must. It's not a kind of like a challenge that you have to do it and you feel like if you, if you don't do it, you fail, but you're just wondering. Plus you added a little bit more of new different aspect, like 22 minutes instead of 10 or 15 minutes, right? So even like if you are a manager or you have a team to, to manage, it would be great to change the timing of the team meetings during the week. So instead of 30 minutes catch up or follow up call with someone would be 22 minutes or 12 or 13. And then they will be already kind of like a thinking, why 13? What should we discuss within 13 minutes? Right. So they already are curious about that task. So they already activating thinking and processing of what's going to be like that. Mm. Right, so what's what's gonna happen? Um, so you get more of their attention, engagement, but at the same time, it works for you because you're you're logging in and you're getting people who are there and kind of like a curious instead of like oh yawning and eating lunch and saying oh sorry I was late because of something else and kind of like on the autopilot. Right. So I think what's missing is this variety and the curiosity Hmm. it's such a nice shift in terms of how we look at things because we expect children to be curious we expect them to ask questions Mm -hmm. but I guess the danger in becoming an adult and growing up and learning is that sometimes we feel that we blend it all and I think the world is so wonderful there's just so much to explore and there's so much to ponder and think about that if you're not proactive in questioning your own belief system it's easy to see how one can end up feeling stuck mm-hmm. and if you feel stuck I guess you're inclined to disengage because it's hard to create traction. It's hard to get excited about something. It's hard to want to share either vision with other people and be a part of a team, um, especially when it doesn't seem fun. I guess I see that in the fitness world too, is that when training becomes too predictable and too rigid, that you know all of the other parts of the gym don't get explored, all the other machines you know, just sit there like whispering out to you, but you never get to use them. And mm-hmm. so it, it's always so nice when people come with a sense of curiosity when they ask questions about different equipment and can we try this or when do we get to do that? 
um, it really shows that someone is is likely to be engaged for the long run. Um, but I think it's a really good takeaway to have curiosity and for people who work with teams and manage teams and oversee, you know, performance on a broader spectrum, are you proactive in creating that curiosity and mm -hmm. creating new thought patterns? And my mentor once asked me a really great question. He said, when was the last time you had an original thought? And I thought, well, okay, right now, but before right now, I'm not so sure. And it was so thought provoking and just got me like, wow, yeah. And how proactive am I in creating and building new thoughts? I, it was just so incredibly eye-opening to be asked that question because we do tend to default. And if we've thought the same way about the same thing, you know, 20 times a day for however many days of our life. Of course, our relationship to work and relationships and colleagues and socializing and fitness and health and nutrition is all going to remain the same. When we create a sense of curiosity, it just seems like there's so much more to explore and so much mm -hmm. more to enjoy. I guess it just adds a totally different dimension to those experiences so yeah how do we how can we build curiosity into the way that we live having flexibility you mentioned was one working on creating variety is working from home or having flexible work options is that a way that we can you know further cultivate that sense of curiosity mm -hmm. i would say the curiosity is we can, it's easy to apply and it's going to be difficult to apply at the same time because it's, it can be applied everywhere, right? It can be like when you're walking to a gym and you, instead of like looking down on your phone or listening to something and kind of like, again, absorbing your mind with something else and getting either in or distracted by that, just tune in and look up in the sky, see whether you can be completely blinded by a sun or not, right? Or whether you will see some trees or not, or maybe you will hear a different noise. Um, so we can we can play with it really something small and simple, but I guess the, the, the best uh, kind of like a reactions we will see once we apply this curiosity in the in kind of like interactions with other people. So the most basic and repeated questions we ask is, how are you, right? It's like, we do it all the time and we do it automatically. And we do it because we, sometimes we are really, really, really curious to hear the answer, but most of the time, 99%, we're just polite and we're just like, hey, how are you? Good, good, yeah, good, 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 good. And that's it, right? And there is hundreds small smiles that mean nothing. Mm -hmm. And we just, you just repeat, good, 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 good. Okay, 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 okay. And that's it. And then you just move. And this is pointless interaction. It's better to kind of like a pretend that you don't really want to get into the interaction. So instead of asking, how are you? Ask a different question. So how was your weekend? If you really can spend there two minutes to have a chat. Or instead of asking, how are you? Say something instead of questioning put there a comment like, hey, you look great today. I'm happy to see you. And the other person can say, oh, yeah, you too. Great. Thanks. And that's it. Right. So it's, it doesn't also put another person that in that, oh, lay, let's stop. Let's have the whole five minutes conversation because we saw each other, see each other in the lift. Right. 
Um, so it can be something small, but if you have kids, try to observe like what was the first question you ask when you pick up kids from school or when you see them back home, right? It's like, hey, how was school? Mm. And no one likes to answer this question mm-hmm. and no one likes to hear this question because it's like you will always get good. Everything was good or everything was boring. Right. Mm-hmm. So ask kids, start with kids. We want kids to be curious and we want them to ask questions, but then we ask the most predictable standard question ever, right? But there was a <laughs> bit of the contrast. <laughs> so and and let's ask like how many times you laughed? Did you laugh today? Did, did were, were you surprised? What shocked you today? And they were like, oh, huh? And it's like you shocked me now. Why are you asking me about it? <laughs> and then you have a conversation, right? But if you're asking about the same things, you're going to get the same boring response and you're not going to build any interaction and you're not making time and space for curiosity, creativity, connection, right? So how was school replaced by something else? And how are you replaced by something else? And you can get really wild, go wild and go and come up with tons of different examples for a different type of people you see, right? Mm -hmm. And remember also that body language is so powerful. Sometimes we don't have to ask, how are you? Sometimes it's okay to just smile and just nod and that's it. And it will give you more of the waves of emotions than just saying something quickly, repeatedly on automatic pilot. Mm. So it's getting out of that robotic state. Mm-hmm. what I hear in you saying you know create that sense of variety in terms of questions that you're asking in terms of body language um you know I, I really feel a lot of this repetitive mundane predictability contributes to people's 3 p.m sugar cravings and it's just that people need a different task at 3 p.m because if people mm-hmm. up since six or seven and working since nine by the time they get to three they don't just crave sugar they just crave something different they're freaking bored okay Mm -hmm. they don't want to talk to their colleagues about the same stupid report which is due five weeks ago they don't care they just don't want to be bothered by that and so I, i see this in um other elements of of health as well this um the danger of doing the same thing for too long, the same way for too long, is that people do become disengaged. They become disengaged with their training. They become disengaged with the way that they're eating. They can't sustain the keto diet because actually carbs are kind of fun. You know, like who doesn't love bread and butter? Who doesn't love spaghetti bolognese? Uh, it has to be interesting for us to stay involved and to, you know, have an element of sustainability to our approach too. Um, another thing I sense when we talk about regulation and when we talk about um, thriving and how people can thrive, um, I, I see that there's just a lot of people who need to feel heard. I feel there's a lot of people doing work because they went to university, got a degree, got into full-time work, and they've kind of just been doing the same thing since then but that it's not really fulfilling them. I see a lot of people who are just not fulfilled. Like everywhere I go, like everywhere, everywhere, I see people who are unfulfilled. And I'm curious to get your take on how that contributes to stress and how that can contribute to overwhelm and what we can do to feel 
more fulfilled in terms of like our life's purpose if you believe in such a thing mm-hmm. i think it's very similar to feeling being stuck and stagnant you know that you 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 have the same repeated emotions that there is this dissatisfaction um there is this disconnection and you you go for the same motion of things tasks but also thoughts and feelings on a daily basis and this creates this kind of like a lack of fulfillment um and if we want to work on that there is the aspect of emotional regulation needed to be there as well but first like if there is if we feel unfulfilled what is missing so we would need to ask a lot of questions to get ourselves into a position of to kind of like a be a rebel and say enough of these questions done i'm done i'm done not any question single question more right so it's like kind of like a drilling a hole like what is missing mm. and then most likely you'll hear like oh i don't know something happiness like what is happiness so you drill and drill and go deeper and deeper to the point like i'm done enough i'm not saying anything else right so we want to break through this wall of resistance and saying oh i don't know i just want to be left alone because deep down inside there there is a child there is someone there is a human being who wants to be heard who wants to be seen who wants to go and play and experience a life but there is a, such a big kind of like a wall that it contracts the, the movement so we can't really move we can't do anything and that's why we start to accept that this is it but maybe this is my life maybe maybe this is my role i just have to be doing that and that's it right so as soon as we give up on ourselves we give up this curiosity of oh maybe maybe not maybe i should be doing something else or maybe i could explore maybe one day a week i could get out of that whole structure and put myself in a completely new very uncomfortable situation because remember that when we feel really unfulfilled we are stuck tremendously so anything we will do different will come with a huge discomfort and this is where in emotional regulation work we call it the discomfort tolerance so we widening the window of tolerance so we slowly start doing a little bit more and more and more uncomfortable things or we are starting to accept that this discomfort isn't that bad that i can do this it's not so it doesn't affect us that deeply it doesn't put us back into the same situation it doesn't uh, kind of confirm that i told you you shouldn't be trying anything new go back to where you were and where you were kind of like a happy for the last 20 years this is your whole life goal just follow that path right and what if not what if we have that curiosity and bravery to break out of that stagnation and try something new from time to time it doesn't have to be one big movement because change is a process change is not an a one big event yes some events can be change provoking right like getting married yes but before you agreed to get married there was it was a process right of checking of agreeing what it is and how what would it mean for you and how 
you will want it to be done, mm. right? So, so the whole change is a process. So we can't really expect to break out of something and then suddenly find the fulfillment or purpose or feel like we're we're doing the right thing. And I and on a purpose quickly because I know we're we're getting close to um to the time and but on a purpose I feel like the more actions we take toward what we value in life, what we appreciate and what we crave more of, then we are getting closer to feeling that we have the purpose. So purpose for me is represented in action. So it's not like my life purpose is, or like a life mission is to change the world and make the whole psychology practical. It's like, can't promise that every single psychologist will be really mixing coaching and psychology same as I do because they want to make it practical. Sometimes they want to practice differently, right? But if I commit to that because I believe in this and I value every single action I take would make sure that what I do, what I say would be practical, mm -hmm. right? And and then it makes sense. Well, when I reflect on, on my purpose, I feel like, mm-hmm. Oh, actually, yeah, it's I'm I'm doing that. It's kind of like a tick off. Like I can every day kind of like I get a small point in that. But it's not like a one big thing that I don't know when I'm gonna be fifty, it's gonna be achieved, right? But I feel like it's in the daily actions. Mm. So what I hear you say there is that it's it's taking action which is in alignment with our values. And that there's a congruence between the two, which I guess is where a lot of tension can arise for people in the corporate world where decisions are being taken by other team members, which may not align with the values of the people who are having to deliver on these decisions. Mm -hmm. And that can become a point of uh, friction and tension and um, it can be why people, I guess, end up leaving different companies or leaving roles because mm -hmm. they're not in the position to make that decision. At the same time, in order to keep their job, they have to follow through with the decision that's being made. And I, I guess that's a, a good place to look when it comes to entering the corporate world is how much alignment is there between this company and my own personal values, especially if we want people to remain engaged um yes but... and and for the, all all these corporate people who are kind of like struggling with the satisfaction because i can see it every day right it's so frequent um i i think it's really important for them to sometimes we, we don't have that luxury to step out of the corporate world and we will be there and to make it more acceptable and to make it more fulfilling for ourselves, it's important to work on that self-worth part uh, where as if you are working in a corporate, you need to know that you're much more than your job, that you are more than your job. So yes, what the job, whatever happens at work, whatever decisions are make, made by others, okay, maybe you disagree with that, but sometimes that that kind of like a playground is not your playground. Your playground would be what you do before, after, and in the middle and the breaks. How do you design your life? Because you are more than your job. 
right? So I often tell myself, to, like others, like when when they ask me who who am I, and as soon as I tell others that I'm a psychologist, they're like oh, and then they stop listening to me. Right? It's like oh, so you're reading my mind, and then and then they suddenly just disappear, and then a full room of people to network, suddenly I'm alone, right? So I often tell them that I work as a psychologist, but what I do is, I don't know, I make psychology practical or I, I do this and that, right? So instead of telling, my, telling them that I am my job title, I tell them my actions, right? I, I present myself differently. So but to do to be able to do that, you have to first identify right what is it, who are you, and what how you want to design those hours that you have around your job. What what do you do to get you know money and creating that change for people who are listening and recognize a misalignment, uh, which is contributing to feeling stuck and feeling unfulfilled. It seems like a bit of a catch-22 because to feel those feelings in their fullness can be so confronting that we would rather just get really good at coping and keep ourselves stuck because breaking out of the stuckness can often seem too overwhelming and too scary and too risky. And Mm -hmm. if we risk losing our job, if we risk losing our house, if we risk losing our ability to live in this country versus another country then who am I? What do I do about that? Mm-hmm. How do I build my life back up again? How do I get a new job? How do I, you know, so many questions come mm-hmm. to the forefront. And that just seems, again, that can seem so overwhelming and so confronting that we just find ourselves having spent 20 years doing the same job and only loving the first three of those years. Mm-hmm. How can we be our best and welcome in change and confront all the scariness that can come with the the thought of doing something different or doing something differently? Is that just a muscle to flex like any other and just getting good at sitting in uncomfortable feelings? Are there more practical tips that you have as well? Mm, I would say that it's it would have to start with emotion regulation anyway, because if something is risky, it will stress you out and it will trigger a big wave of emotion. So first you need to regulate the emotion before you will be able to come up with a practical plan and strategy of how you're going to get yourself out of this situation and into, let's say, new work opportunity. Right. So whatever that would be and whether this starts with, something external like a job situation or something internal who am i um so wherever you are on a whole wave of overwhelm always start with emotion regulation and the overwhelm is not a emotion it's a collection of different emotions so kind of like a allow yourself to feel it bring it down to few different emotions and say okay i feel overwhelmed but what is it what's in my body how intense is it on scale from one to ten and what do i need now what do i what feels achievable that i can give myself now what is the achievable step that i can make now right um so i feel 
always, always start with the emotion regulation. And once you kind of like build up that readiness to keep regulating, you will be ready to also take the next step and kind of like a bigger and bigger and more challenging, more stressful um, step. So then you will be also ready to experiment and you will have that belief that you've got this, that you, whatever that is, you will be able to regulate. So for me, as a psychologist, there is always starting point with emotion regulation. doesn't matter what is the, the issue that wakes you up at night. First, start with regulating how you feel about that. Mm, it's, it's, in a sense, building up tolerance. Um, it's kind of how I hear you phrase that, which makes me think mm-hmm. about the gym environment and lifting weights and starting by training three times a week and three becomes four and four can become five and five can become six because your your tolerance, your body's ability to um, not just regulate but also recover improves and increases because we know that the body is adaptable. It will adapt to whatever you expose it to. Um, so, you know, you wouldn't just walk into a gym and start back squatting 100 kilos. You know, most of us would not. But you might walk into a gym and you might, you know, start by doing a, a 10 kilo or even eight kilo mm-hmm. goblet squat. And that may become 10 kilos. And over time, that may become 15. That may end up one day becoming 100 kilos. But that's a process, um, of course, as you've alluded to. So I feel that's a really great point that you make. Um, is there anything else that people should know with everything we've touched on? Anything else you'd like to highlight? Mm-hmm. Maybe to trust your gut, mm-hmm. that if you feel stuck for a bit too long, mm-hmm. if you feel like you've tried everything and doesn't work and nothing take kind of like gets you out of that loop, consult with someone else. Get uh, someone who doesn't know you, a stranger. Completely new perspective may help and make... It doesn't mean that you need therapy for two years weekly, but it may actually help you to shake things up a little bit and you will get some ideas into what would be the next step so you can keep doing your own work in your own time. Mm, Awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation. I think overwhelm is something we all experience more often than what we need to. So I really appreciate you and your time. We're going to have your links in the show notes below. People will be able to reach out to you directly. Um, And I'd love to do a follow-up conversation too, to see how people have gone with these techniques that you shared today awesome super i will share with you later the um worksheets that i'm happy to to share with listeners so they can take a little bit more with them amazing thank you so much for your time and i look forward to receiving that from you all right thank you so much thank you have a good weekend take care take care Bye. bye Guys, that's it. That's a wrap. That's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Real Talk with your gal pal. That's me, Laura Rogers. Please be sure to leave us a review. Give us your feedback on what else you would like me to talk about. I always want to deliver content on things that excite you and that are going to benefit you in your health and fitness journey. So do give us a review. Before you forget, I know you're busy. I've got to run off and record another episode. Do check us out on the other social media platforms listed below as well because you might just like what you 
to see or hear there. So, you know, be sure to do that. I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. And again, please leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts. It would mean the absolute world to me. Stay healthy and I'll see you in the next one.